The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. Elder P, Air Jordan, no P Nate in the office today. But Garage Mahal is still here. Wetsy's still here. It's all going crazy. Not popping off. Going crazy here today. We said Nate can't come to the podcast today because we've gotten some feedback that people want to hear a little bit more from us. So the only way to do that was to not have him here. My master plan is working. My coup <laughs> is in uh, progress. The, 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 coup, the, the, the rebel mutiny is underway. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Beautiful. We're, we're going to get kicked out of the Fight Laugh East yep. Network is what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, if Nate's not there, we don't trust you two. So yeah, you're right. that's um, right. Like, that'll be yeah. what we are a part of the fight left east network um in the canada one check them out feel free to subscribe their best way for their content is describe subscribe directly to them uh, but we are the rebels um and jordan is here and we're gonna just i want to get some of your some of your thoughts on what is happening in the realm of hollywood these days you and i off camera off camera yeah, that's the way you say that. We've had tons of talks about this stuff, but I wanted to put some of it on air, on on the record, so to speak. Um, but before I do all that, you weren't here last week when we got to talk about Sound of Freedom. I know, I know, you saw it the next, the day after I saw it, mm-hmm. and we had some pretty intense text messages going back about just about feelings. So I, I just want to give you a moment. What were your thoughts coming out of the theater seeing that movie? What are your thoughts about that movie? And what were your thoughts on just the whole? sound of freedom phenomenon that's kind of happened. I had a whole bunch of emotions, really. I think the biggest one that you and I shared was just impotency. Just, and I think you guys even mentioned that last week, just like, okay, wow, this is awful. What do we do? I sat in the theater and I was crying. I was just a mess. I mean, it's also terrible. It was heightened for me. I think I have four kids, three girls and and a boy. And just even for a moment, entertaining that thought of going through what that dad was going through. Like there was a guy beside me during the movie making jokes. And I said to the guys after who I was with, I was like, I almost like punched a guy in the public in the middle of a theater because he was making inappropriate jokes during that movie. I couldn't believe it. I was in shock that he would do that because my my emotions were just raging. And for somebody to have the audacity to do something like that. And I didn't for those concerned. I didn't actually punch the guy, but I just, I could not believe the jokes he was making in that movie at that time. So I was a mess. It was a well-made movie. It was an important movie. It was an incredibly difficult movie. I honestly was feeling a little bit convicted after because it's sad. I think that it, for me anyways, just speaking for myself, that it took seeing that movie to really be bothered by this thing that I think we've all, we all know that it's been going on. Like this isn't, it wasn't new to me, right? It wasn't the first time I had thought about, or, or it wasn't brought to my attention in that movie that child trafficking is a thing. 
but it really did seeing those scenes of those kids. Now, thankfully it wasn't graphic, but even doesn't take much for your imagination to think of what then happened, right? To those, it, it was just awful. It was just so heinous. And so then I just even felt bad just thinking about that. It's like, oh man, I don't like that. I'm just like, okay, have been okay knowing that's a thing and not having really done anything. Yeah. I felt the same way about it as well as like, I had a cognitive understanding mm-hmm. that human trafficking was something that happened, but just like a lot of things until we're confronted with it in our own culture, like the opening scene is in America. You know what I mean? It is in, in the Western world that this is like the perpetrators of who's benefiting from this are partaking. It didn't shine light into something that was like, I knew cognitively it was happening, but like it, it doesn't brings it home that this is happening in a much more pronounced way than I gave it credit for. And then I started thinking of things like, like we, we talked about a little bit, like not just when the children get trafficked, but what happens to those children as they age? They become prostitutes. They, be, mm-hmm. they Their lives are addicted to drugs until if they even make it to adulthood. Plus then it's like, who are the people who are fulfilling the roles in many of our strip clubs, in many of the pornography videos that men are addicted to, and and some women as well, who are being exploited in much more socially acceptable ways, even though biblically I think they would be just as condemned. That is, I think, where this movie really helped me. And it was because it started helping me connect the dots between it's not just human trafficking. It's all the outlaying, connecting things that by allowing like you know how hard are we actually on pornography how hard are we on things like strip clubs i've never protested a strip club allowing those things actually is being complicit in actually allowing this other terrible evil to happen and because like the truth is we we kind of i think all rationally have thought slavery was defeated already and so then even that like line at the end of the movie where it talks about like there are more people today in slavery than when slavery was legal I had no idea. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, like my thoughts, I, again, I, I shared all this previously, but I'm talking to you now, so it's fine. My thoughts were like embarrassment, frustration, because I don't know how to fix it. I'm like, I'm a fixer. And then two, just like, honestly, rage at Hollywood for the, just the amount they tried to silence this voice coming out. Praise the Lord that whoever, Angel Studios, whoever put their time into getting this movie in front of people, and then it's continued. I, I, found, I found it so like so edifying that when the box offices came out this past week, there was like, yeah, Barbie did 175 million in the US, 330 million or whatever globally. Okay, it's the first weekend for a movie that is kind of kind of huge. Mm-hmm. Looks incredibly stupid, but like whatever. Oppenheimer did less than that, but it was like still 30. Number three on the list was 20 million, Sound of Freedom. And it's like, okay, well, that's still number three at the box office three or four weeks after it's been released and their budget was 15 million. So even in the fourth week, it still made 5 million bucks. Like, I'm just like, you know what? Keep it going. Keep it going. Well, and the thing that I I was really thinking about is, so we have this evil and like the thing that keeps coming into my mind as I'm considering all this is just like the darkness, right? Scripture, light and dark. That's just like a prevailing theme throughout all the Bible. So you have this over really in COVID, it seems like it's ramped up, but we have this very obvious darkness around us. And then, so you have to ask the question, well, why is the darkness becoming darker? Well, typically that's because there's no light, right? You have to be shining a light on the darkness to expose the darkness and to, to expel the darkness. So then, you know, you and I were chatting about, so like as a church, like what do we do, right? Because yes, we can 
try and instill politicians, right, who, who put in laws that make this more difficult. Sure, that's, that's hard work and it's long term. Sure, that can be done. Um, you can contribute to organizations that are like boots on the ground rescuing these children, right? You and I aren't mercenaries as much as we might like thinking about owning guns and, and hunting and skeet shooting. I'm not going to be a mercenary in the heart of Central America rescuing children. Yeah, I'm not a Navy SEAL. Yeah, yet. so it's like that, that can happen. So like, then we can think about things like prayer. Obviously, we need to be praying, but scripture is, you know, our, our command, our, our marching orders are more than just praying. We actually got to do stuff. So then even just trying to think, like, what do we do as a church? Like, we're the only means by which hope can come to these people who are being harmed in this way. Even just thinking about some of these people participating in this, both as consumers and content creators or those who are really pushing forward and actually making this possible. Like, there's actual brothers and sisters in the kingdom, of the kingdom, who are in that, mm. who they need to be reached. They need to be saved out of that. They need to be confronted with the gospel. So all of this stuff, like any efforts we do, if it's not rooted in actually shining light as the church, as Christ is the light, and we are called to be a light, the, the city set on a hill, and we're to have our light shine before others. So if we're to actually see long-term fruit and eradicating this, it's like, we have to actually be the church. And I think the thing that I can't help but think about in all of this is the reason why this is as bad as it is, is because the church over the last hundred years has been a complete abject failure. We are not allowing our light to shine brightly because like even as Hebrews, was it Hebrews 4.12? Where like not to allow the like sin or even the weights to prevent us from running this race. So here we are as the church and we're not actually... Like we're, we're just allowing sin and other things to prevent us from shining brightly. So like, and you talk to most evangelical guys, they're not reading their Bibles every day. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Evangelism is non-existent in the church. We're not seeing people actually disciple people. So it's like, are we shocked, really, that this darkness has crept in on us when we, as Scripture says, have put a basket on our light, and then we're not even calling people into the light? So what do you think is going to happen? Well, this, right? We have a problem that is so big that even the thought of trying to eradicate it seems literally impossible. I think you're bang on. Obviously, judgment always begins in the house of the Lord. Um, we talked about, I think, last week about the idea of like, before Gideon had his big battle and victory over the Midianites, he tore down the idol of Baal in their house. What actually happens there is that they, the town turns on him, right? And it's only because of the faith of the father that it stops Gideon being killed right there. We have lost that idea in, in the churches. Like, I think you're absolutely correct when you when you say the reason this is so rampant in our culture is because we've allowed it into our churches. And yes, I don't think there's very many true Christians who are actually trafficking children, but there are a lot of Christians who have not put their entertainment under the foot of Christ, like that are still watching things like Modern Family. I couldn't. I can't think of something that's depraved right now that's on TV or whatever who are still thinking that's permissible when people are being exploited or, or it's preaching a worldview or, you know, not putting to death pornography in their lives, not putting to death. How about like some of the ones that are like, aren't just an individual thing, like are allowing men and women to live in the same home just because culture says that that's okay before they're married. You know, that we're not even taking that level of sin seriously, seriously enough that like, you know, hookup culture is actually rampant in the, in the church as well. Like, like, let's just text and we'll get together and see if this works. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, like we've lost the plot in many areas to the point where now it's like, how do we put the genie back in the bottle? So to, so to speak, 
if the church is struggling this hard with these things, why wouldn't we expect culture to just ramp this up? Because we are the ones restraining the darkness, so, mm-hmm. so to speak, right? There is a quote from a sermon that David Platt, I mean, I'm not the hugest fan of David Platt anymore, but Easy. this was a, a, I think, a, a just bang on where he was saying, why do we as Christians find it entertaining to watch the people we say we're trying to reach do the things we say we hate? So here we are as Christians, we're watching movies, and we say that these people who are assuming many of these people in Hollywood are, are in their sin and pagans and hate God, we say that we want to reach these people, we want these people to be adopted into the kingdom, but yet we find it entertaining to watch them do these things that we would say we would never do. Like, reality is, most people kissing in a movie aren't married. So here we are watching two people essentially fornicate in front of us. I'm assuming you would not just make out with your wife in front of your small group. That'd be pretty weird, but yet... Not again. (laughs) Every... I would say that most Christians today would not have any issue if that same thing happened just on the magical screen in your living room if you had a small group movie night. Yeah. I would say you're you're right again. Like, there's a reason, like, we kind of make fun of public displays of affection because it makes us uncomfortable because it's not... It is something that's supposed to... Like, I'm not saying there isn't a time to hold your wife's hand and stuff like that. Like I'm all for that. Like, but like there is a level like where it's like, now you've crossed the line where I don't need to see this and I don't want to see this. This should happen, should happen alone. But we, we will gladly watch that on friends or whatever show is on TV. And we'll actually like get invested in this, in these fictional characters lives that we actually celebrate when they commit adultery. You know what I mean? Like you think about like the friends is always the one that comes to my head. Cause it's like, the overarching plot of the show Friends is Ross and Rachel's relationship. It's one of the big ones. Mm-hmm. But Ross has been married three times, once to Rachel, which he annulled. I'm going to show a, a, a shocking level of knowledge of Friends, by the I've way. I've watched um, all of Friends probably like 10 times. So okay, okay, yeah, so you know. I've but like, been there. Even the first time they get together, Ross is cheating on a woman. But we celebrate that because the show has convinced us that that's okay because they're really in love and the other people aren't really in love. I think what you're saying is right because like we allow something to become permissible in in our thing because we normalize Mm -hmm. what shouldn't be normalized. We often at our church talk about normalization of the gospel. Why do people not share the gospel with their friends and family? Because it's not normal to do that. So we have to normalize bringing Christ into conversations with people because we're not trained to do that. We haven't trained our kids to do that. We haven't trained people to like proclaim the resurrection and over things to proclaim Christ's authority and culture into in the sphere. Cause one, a lot of people just don't believe that. And then two, it isn't normal, but we have normalized stuff like it's okay to hook up with five different girls in culture because that's what the TV tells us is okay. And generally speaking, if you look at a, a culture, you can tell where it's headed based on the art it's producing, which is why now, like, here's the test of this. We generally are okay and are, are comfortable going back and watching Friends and Seinfeld because we, we one, know their, the level that they're pushing all this stuff to. But something that comes out now new, I can't even stomach watching it because it's so far beyond. And it's like, if Friends and Seinfeld and Modern Family all got us ready for where we are today, what is this level of what Hollywood's putting out getting us ready for down the road? And I think that answer is why they they don't want the sound of freedom to come out is because what's the next hurdle in the sexual revolution? Normalizing pedophilia. Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize that entertainment in and of itself isn't bad. No, it's good. Right? I remember at youth at our old church, I preached a sermon on entertainment and 
I mean, even Paul, when he uses the analogy of a race, well, typically races were a means of entertainment in ancient society. So like being entertained is not a bad thing, right? But it has to be God-glorifying entertainment. And so what a lot of people don't realize, though, is how weaponized media has become. And I forget exactly the timeline, but I think it was maybe back in probably the 60s or something. But there was a group of people who were wanting to push the LGBT agenda and part of their strategy, and you can go back and read it now, I think it was Vody Bauckham was talking about it in a, in a sermon, and you go through and they actually put together a roadmap for normalizing homosexuality in the culture, and it was by using media, and they did so very strategically by slowly introducing gay characters, and you'll notice every gay character in every movie or TV show is delightful, friendly, funny, everybody likes the gay guy, it's always good because they want to normalize that. And so then you even see just like earlier on, you might have movies where women are wearing more scantily clad things, women in bikinis. Well, now all of a sudden, I mean, Oppenheimer, there's like a full on sex scene in it where the main actress is fully nude and they're having a sex scene. And people are just not even actually talking about that at all. I mean, even conservative movie reviewers, they're not even bringing that up as a problem. So it's like we've come so far now where it's like they, they know that, like you were saying, the art is a reflection of where it's going and, and the, really like the heartbeat of the culture. And so that's been weaponized. So it's just interesting how we as Christians, we think that we're strong enough to withstand this stuff that is literally being created with the sole purpose of destroying souls, sole purpose of destroying souls. Yeah, that's good for um, us. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then we, we have all this other stuff we're not doing equipping ourselves. Because I think there's one thing, like, I think we've chatted about this before. There's certain movies that might have inappropriate content. So I think of like a war movie, yeah. right? There are some Christians who would not be able to watch a movie watching a depiction of a body being blown up. But some Christians see that as what it is. As it's helpful. It's historical. There's value in doing that. But some people can't. But a lot of that often in certain movies, in certain contexts can be, are you mature enough and have you, are you cultivating maturity in other areas, in spiritual disciplines? So like an example that sadly in our culture, you even have a TV on, you're possibly, probably going to see a woman in a bikini. There's a really good chance of that. Well, thankfully, I can see a woman in a bikini on an advertisement and then not fall into a porn binge because thankfully God is maturing me and I'm able to control my emotions and not allow my thoughts to wander in, in the way previously. But what happens when you have all these Christians watching movies where two people are fornicating in front of them, but then they're also not maturing and, and able to actually fight off the temptations that are likely to come with that. So it's like a double whammy as well, where you're not only consuming content you shouldn't be, but you're not even in a place to be able to handle the fallout from that yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back to something you said a few minutes ago about like the intentionality of Hollywood destroying souls, mm. soul destroying souls. Or yeah. what you said. The whole purpose of destroying ha souls. We're going to put on tinfoil hats for a little bit. I want to flesh this out a little bit. We've talked about this a lot off air. How intentional do you think Hollywood is being in terms of uh, not just Sound of Freedom being shunned, but in terms of producing a demonic worldview out into the culture? Let's just talk about like Hollywood and like name some names even of celebrities that we actually think like there's something weird happening. Let's just talk about that for a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's interesting because... Uh, I was mentioning to you earlier, Tom Holland just came out in the last like week or two ago saying how he's terrified of Hollywood. And you hear of Mel Gibson, there's been interviews of him over the last, well, it was probably from like 10 or 15 years ago, but it's spreading right now. And he's saying things publicly about, no, Hollywood's actually like an, an, an incredibly evil 
place. It's interesting when you think about, again, when, when evil demonic beings are wanting to destroy image bearers, which is, I mean, they hate God, they hate those who bear his image, so they're going to do what they can to promulgate evil. Well, it makes sense that media, especially with the widespread of technology and, and movies and all that, that that would become a platform for them to push that, right? And for them to, again, this is tinfoil hat stuff, but I mean, there are studies where uh, like the military was doing things about even using certain frequencies of sound, but then also certain patterns of images that can actually be used to manipulate people's emotions. And so you have people watching a movie that not only is the content likely soul-destroying, but there actually might be things happening that people aren't even aware that are happening to them that are contributing to whether it's emotions or changing feelings or, or whatever. Yeah. I think you're right again. I'm right but, a lot today. This is good. I, it's, just, it's just what I say. So like, ignore that. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, basically, we recognize that that happens to us. What did we both express when we talked about the sound of freedom? We, we felt feelings. Yeah. We left the theater feeling something. So like we, we recognize that art does that. So why would it be shocking to us that our enemy is not trying to produce the exact same things in the other way, right? Like what one, they don't want us to see sound of freedom because the, the feelings we're going to feel are going to lead hopefully to action that is against what they want. But they, they also produce shows and movies that will lead us to like actions. They do want us to hate our children. So what, what do you not see in TV children being valued, Mm -hmm. the home life being valued, Christian values being celebrated. Those aren't things we have shows rather like sex in the city. You guys are catching on where my generation of TV is. Cause every show that I'm talking about is from the nineties or the early two thousands. But like we have shows where it celebrates the, the fact that they're basically whores who somehow have all the money in the world and no consequences for any of their sexual ex- escapades. But it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Cause we all realize that's not real. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, but Hollywood produces this thing and what is it does it's 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 given rise to a generation of women who want to live like those girls from that show and they want all of those things even shows like you're saying they they can manipulate airwaves and and radio frequencies well there's been a documentary about the unibomber on netflix for quite a while where they actually talk about the fact that the they actually did that to him and mm-hmm. what did he ended up doing blowing up planes there is a percentage of the population who are more susceptible to influence than others, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have an enemy who wants to make conservative worldview and the the Christian worldview look ridiculous and look like an enemy of the state. And so what's actually happening now is most things that are coming out right now, the enemy of the state is just a right-wing conservative. Remember, it used to be the Russians. It used to be North Korea. It used to be aliens. Now it's single white Christian men, you know what I mean? Or like married white Christian men are are the problem. Did you see the newest Batman a couple of years ago? I did. Pretty okay movie in terms of like, it's not that woke. Like there's, there's not tons, of, but there is still one line where she's like, every problem I've ever had is, is from rich white men. Yeah. And it's like, insert the little phrase that like sparks, like now how I've interpreted all the rich white men. And it's kind of ironic in the thing she's talking to Bruce Wayne, who's a rich single white man. But I mean, like who is almost like kind of repentant of the fact that he is, but like they're producing this worldview but now they're ramping that up to the point where it's like they're not even trying to hide now who they serve. I've been very interested in a couple of things that have happened recently. Like Mark Wahlberg has left Hollywood. 
he's moved out. That might have happened a while ago, but he's like actively very selective now about like Denzel Washington has abandoned Hollywood. He's like, I'll do the movies I want. And only the, like you mentioned Tom Holland, which I didn't even know about. And like, I actually wasn't even a real big fan of him, but now I kind of am. <laughs> Obviously there's those guys that gives credence to some of the people who have been canceled over the last few years. Mel Gibson, you brought up. Mel Gibson, who the last 10 years, maybe 15 years of his career, it's kind of been like, oh, yeah, Mel Gibson. Yeah, he's famous, but he's crazy. Why is he crazy? Because he's been saying what they don't want to hear. And then you get Jim Carrey is the new one who is basically everybody saying he's crazy. But what is he actually saying? He's saying that there are there are powers in Hollywood that are doing things that are depraved and disgusting. And he didn't want a part of it. And they're being controlled. And now he made an Illuminati joke, but he's like, but. What are we actually hearing Jim Carrey say? Things about like people need to forgive each other, need to become Christians. And it's like he's now being considered a crazy man. And it's like, what's what's he actually doing? He's just actually arguing with Hollywood. Their responses to cancel him, to, to, to crush him, all because he's not saying what their party line is. And oddly enough, we also have people like Angelina Jolie who are coming out and saying like, yeah, some of these things are true. And like to get in the club, you mm-hmm. have to like, what club? Mm-hmm. Like, what are they referring to when they make these statements about like who's in and who's out? Like, is there an exclusive list? Maybe that's the Epstein list. Like, because like the only person I've heard who's argued that they were on that list is Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. He's the only one who's like, I will sue everybody who's at, who's said I went to that island. I never did. Mm-hmm. Everybody else seems pretty okay with the fact that they were on that list. Yeah, they're being pretty hush. Like, and they're fine with it. So I wonder partly if the reason Sound of Freedom has been so attacked from Hollywood. I think Nate said this last week. When have you ever heard actors badmouth another movie? Like, that just doesn't happen. But it's happening here. And one of the reasons, I think maybe it's because it's a little too close to what has actually happened. That they're worried that like, oh, if people start realizing there are islands where kind of anything goes in terms of like there's no repercussions you can fly out there have a weekend come back if all of those things are happening and it's true if what the if if culture in general becomes aware of it then their sin gets exposed and what is sin we say this a few times what does sin need to thrive secrecy and opportunity so pedophilia is the most heinous sin sexually assaulting a child there's not much more you can do that's worse than that yeah to the point where if I had to pick one of the two, you could murder the kid or sexually abuse them and rape them. I'm probably choosing to just kill them. Yeah. At that point, like, I know that might sound super harsh, but I actually think that's a less destructive thing than what you've done to them. Well, because the problem is, like, Jim Caviezel has made mention of most of these kids are killed after all of this anyway. So you're torturing them and then they're likely being killed and chopped up and sold for body parts anyways. But why I think it makes sense that these Hollywood people, I mean, they're incredibly rich. Like these people, many of them are quite literally above the law because of the amount of wealth that they have. So as I was thinking about it, it's like, well, God has given us a number of ways of restraining evil, right? He's given us a conscience. He's given us family. He's given us the church. He's given us the government. So what do we see, though, in most of culture? People have seared their conscience. They don't have families that are teaching them God's law. They don't participate in a church, which would hold them accountable, hence church discipline. And then they have more money than the state. So they pay off politicians to get laws pushed through and to turn a blind eye. If you have the kind of money that these people have, you can facilitate all of that. So the most evil things that are stored up in the human heart come out, and there aren't really consequences. 
because you can actually pay to make them go away. So a poor guy is not paying the amount of money required to procure a child for those kind of things. You need money to do that. It's very expensive. I actually, I don't know how much, but I'm assuming because it just seems like it's wealthy people. So it makes sense that these people are very wealthy. And actually, that was a thing. My, my wife was listening to a podcast and they found that most people who consume child pornography and procure young children are actually wealthy husbands of children. You're not poor and doing that. It's guys who have money and means and because they can then hush people up or whatever. So it's guys who are affluent. So it makes sense that these people in Hollywood, like there's nothing stopping the evil in their heart from coming out. They've seared their conscience. They're not in church or in families that are teaching them God's law. They're not in churches and they're above the state because everybody loves them. And we, we've elevated these people to being worshiped. So, I mean, most cops, if Will Smith got busted for a DUI and a cop came up and recognized him, do you think that cop's going to charge Will Smith? No. I would. <laughs> right? But like most, I think most police officers are like, oh, Will Smith, I don't want to be the guy that gives Will Smith a DUI ticket. Right. Hey man, like, let's get you home. Like, because that's what we've elevated these people to. It just seems to make sense that, yeah, like they are pushing this stuff because they're living out the most evil, heinous, wicked things in, that are in our heart. But thankfully God has restrained that by giving us his spirit, giving us friends, family, all these restraints, but these people don't have that. When you're talking about that, the idea of like, they have more money than, than the state. They have more money than the king. They have more money than the judges, the politicians, to the point where like, even if you had a prosecutor who was committed to going after these people, they don't have the resources to fight somebody who is like able to do these things. I, I'm going to make an analogy that you're going to hate because it's soccer related. I so, will hate it. Yep. There's a soccer club in, in England named Manchester City who are owned by basically the Saudi government. So they have all the money in the world, but they break every rule financially that soccer has put in place to protect from this situation. But they broke them. And UEFA, which is the governing body of European soccer, has actually brought them up on 115 charges of financial breaches. But because Man City has more money than UEFA, they've appealed and got a legal team. And it's like they won't lose this case. They don't even have to fight the case. They've bogged the case down so much in court that it's going to be 10 to 15 years before any of these ramifications come to bed. So by then, the people who have the appetite now to prosecute are 15 years committed to this fight to the point where it's like they're probably not in office anymore. And so like it goes away and nobody ever, ever has to pay the piper for what's happening. And I think, I think we're seeing the same thing the powers that be in the in the U.S., in the Western world, where, like, I think we incorrectly attribute a lot of the deviancy to the person we see, like the Justin Trudeau, the Joe Biden, the insert actor as they're the main perpetrator, when really it's the people with the real money behind these people. And these people are, like, the puppets kind of thing, like blackmailed, have to say whatever they want to say because the powers behind them have all the money in the world to fight the case forever, to make somebody disappear like, I don't know, somebody named J.E. I don't know why I'm being coy. Nobody listens. Epstein, they killed him. Yeah. Like, things like that where it's like the real power is that they have the power to literally, if a judge wanted to come after them, that person isn't a judge anymore. So this is what I find very interesting is like we have Mel Gibson, who actually has the wealth, mm -hmm is now saying he's going to make a documentary that's going to expose a lot of these things in Hollywood. It'll be very interesting to see if that ever comes to light. Because like one, I would say like, I would bet every producer and every 
cameraman, every person who is going to be attached to that film or documentary series will likely experience some sort of like, don't you dare partake in this. Let him him say whatever he wants, but we're never going to let this thing get made. Or he just simply disappears. And it's like, oh, he had a cardiac arrest. And it's like, nobody actually looks into these things because there's no appetite mm -hmm. for, because like the truth is if what we're saying is true, that there's money that is exchanging hands for devious things, that money finds its place in the pockets of all levels of government. Yeah, there's people who are making it tons, but like, that money trickles down like to the point where it's like there's no appetite. You, you look at how Pablo Escobar, I'm a big narco guy, he managed to stay out of prison for decades in Colombia. Why? Because he had paid off all the cops. So like if somebody was to do it, like well, all of his buddies are ratting him out because like their pockets are about to get lighter. And so like what's the benefit for anybody to go against Hollywood? So it takes somebody who has a, an empowerment that isn't in their self to do it. So it takes the Holy Spirit mm -hmm in somebody being like, it doesn't matter what happens to me. I'm willing to count that cost to fight for what is true. It takes the Wilberforce of our day to say slavery isn't dead. I think one of the benefits of what Sound of Freedom has done is it's sparked. In our church, I would say for sure, and I would assume like-minded churches all across North America who have seen this, it's probably sparked some fire and fury in God's people that this needs to stop. And then the question just becomes, how? Mm -hmm. A good example of what happens when people collectively say no is Bud Light and Target. Look what happens when people are just like, no, I'm not going to consume your stuff anymore. And now they've lost, I think, the single greatest decrease of yeah, corporate value ever. Like it's crazy. And just because I think a large number of just whether it's like redneck Americans or just, you know, conservatives... But imagine if actual Christians empowered by the spirit, citizens of God's kingdom actually collectively were like, you know what? We're not going to consume Hollywood anymore. And I realize like there are certain things. I mean, we love certain franchises. Star Wars before all this recent stuff, yeah. right? I know you're a big Star Wars. Like Harry Potter. I, I, I love the Harry Potter franchise. Lord of the Rings. Love that. Back to the Future. One of my favorite movie series. Like there's stuff in Hollywood. So I don't want to make it sound like all Hollywood or all media is just gone and corrupt. But like, as we're seeing where it's going right now, there does have to be a point where we are perpetuating this by giving them our dollars. Every time we give Disney money, Disney is just feeding that back into the machine to brainwash and corrupt our children. At some point, we do have to just say, okay, we're not going to contribute to your woke narrative, Disney. They've been losing money a ton as well. But like how many Christians are still giving their money to Disney, right? To further enslave themselves and to destroy their children and... I don't know if there's an answer. Like, I don't think abandoning media entirely is the answer, right? I don't think just not watching movies. I don't think that's the thing that we have to do. I think we, at least as the church, have to figure out, okay, what does this actually look like, yeah. right? We have to be fighting this in some way. It's just like even with the child trafficking, a big part of the problem goes away when the demand for that problem goes away, right? If we were just going and making disciples of our neighbors, who many of whom are in their basements when their wife is upstairs or, or when mom and dad aren't home and they're consuming porn, whether that's child or other, the actual supply is going to decrease because there's just not the demand for it. So we actually have to be doing stuff that actually requires us stopping. And I think that's the thing. I've, I've mentioned that to other people before. And like the idea of canceling Netflix, not saying you have to, but the idea of ever even doing that is like, well, no, it's, that's what I do at night maybe read a book instead, yeah, yeah. right? Like maybe do something else. We've been conditioned for this big shiny screen in our living room to provide our happiness. Mm. 
those are the types of things I think we just have to think about, consider, like, is this the thing that we should be doing? Especially the type of content. I mean, if there's anything in there that's overly sinful, like, hey, Christian, stop that now. You're not justified in doing it. Like even I think it was a J.C. Ryle quote where he's talking about sin and how it often starts very small. And that thing is going to get big and big. Like it is going to grow. Sin is not content in just being this little thing. It, it will get worse. And so in the, just media is such an obvious one where your guard is down, you're just sitting there, you're consuming. And I think we just have to definitely be more wise in, uh, in what we're consuming and in how we're consuming it, the time, all that stuff. I think it all comes back to like, we're willing in a lot of ways, Christians, to pay the costs when the cost is like not convenience to us. Where the cost comes just like, you're going to have to miss out on watching said show that you enjoy on a $14 subscription. I think we could convince more Christians, like practical example, we had a lot more people at our church that are willing to defy the government to stay open than to cancel their, their Netflix when Netflix is like that should be the smaller of the two things, but it's much easier to convince people to count the cost when it's like very evidently here's the sin that's happening. I'm fighting that sin. Whereas Netflix is a very devious, sneaky little thing. Cause like you said, sin starts small. There's a Christian listening to this podcast right now. Like, I don't need to cancel Netflix because you know, I don't actually watch any of the bad content on there. I watch what I want to watch. Sure. You might be way more strong than a lot of brothers and sisters. It does become a conscience thing, but the truth is, like, why would you even risk the trial? Because, like, if every Christian across North America canceled their Netflix today, Sound of Freedom's on Netflix tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because they're like, we need all these people back. Because money is the thing that talks. I remember being at a conference at the Ezra Institute and Doug Wilson. It was just the way it worked. It, like, Nate asked the first question. I asked the last question of the, of the day. There was... 40 people, it's just the way it worked out, it wasn't? And Nate's question was like, where do we start? Because Doug was talking about like, to win back culture, we have to cut their supply lines. It's just basic art of war. So Nate, being clever, is like, the first battle to win is abortion. And Doug Wilson, he was like, no, abortion's a battle that has to be won. But the first one's tax reform. It's cutting off their, their money. And then later, I was just like, okay, what about like just, and I asked the question about what about just cold turkey cutting it completely? And he was like, no, no, give to Caesar what's, what is Caesar's. And it was like, so like there is that idea of like we fight the battle with our wallets. We can do that in a couple ways, Christian. We can fund movies like Antichrist and His Ruin by our friend Bundy. We can fund movies like The Sound of Freedom. We can fund movies like, I can't even remember, The Church is Essential or whatever that new one is. We can get behind going to see those in the theater, giving them our money, making sure that everybody has seen them. And we can do it by cutting Netflix so we're taking funds out of their pockets, canceling the Disney subscription and suffering the fact that you now have to not see Star Wars. And I'm a Star Wars fan. Like, I watched the last season of The Mandalorian. Well, how did I do that? I got Disney to watch Mandalorian. I could just stop doing that and being okay with that idea. But it takes all of us to do it because I'm a drop in the pond. They don't care about my $8.99 a month. But they care about the 1,000 people who cancel it at $8.99 a month. They care about the 10,000 people who cancel it to the point where, like, they have to answer the question, well, why are all these people canceling it? So if we all did it, it matters. When we're all in, we're all in. We often talk about the trucker convoy. I was very proud that it happened, but I was, it was also a massive slap in the face. And the reason I say it was a slap in the face, it was a slap in the face to wake up, not like, a, like it was offensive to me. I say it in terms of like when the church got shut down, we didn't march on Ottawa. When the truckers, they rolled up in force. And what happened? Well, they got their way. Um, or sort of, but like if we wanted something to change, if we all get on board and do the thing, it will change or we'll just make our own stuff and 
be fine with that. Truth is, if we all of a sudden all took all that fourteen nine, what does Netflix cost? Fourteen ninety nine? I have no idea. Something like that. Okay, let's create our own producing house with our own news channel, and everybody subscribe to that for fourteen ninety nine a month. Canon Plus. Let's make Canon Plus become the thing that's rivaling Netflix because now they have the funds to do even more than what they're doing. We'll put Andy Wilson in charge of content. Here's all the funds. We're going to up our subscriptions. We make it $14.99. We're going to give it to you every month. And like, we're just going to trust that in two years, you're going to have some stuff that's worth it. Then we fight back because we're not canceling media. We're canceling them. Yep. And that's the difference. I think people get, need to get in their head is that we're, we're canceling them because of their worldview. You well, and even mean? imagine if the church down in California was actually being the church where there's all these animation studios. Well, what if a whole bunch of people at Pixar become born again and God's gifted them to make art? Well, they're going to make art that's glorifying to God. So it's not just that we want to take our existing Christians who might not be as talented to make stuff. Like, yeah, that's good. But like, let's get the best of the best. But that it involves actually like expanding the kingdom. So yes, we want to be creating with what we have already. Not going to be as good as Pixar. Well, I mean... Pixar lately's trash, but it's potential, right? It does seem that all of this, it just, we have to be making disciples. Like we have to make disciples of those who are consuming, those who are creating, and even those people who are being harmed in all of this. Like I think of those kids, if all we're doing is saving them from physical harm and that's it, then we're not actually really helping them very much. Like we need to give them hope in the gospel. We need to actually teach them that these things that are done, like you can be transformed, you can find healing, all of that has happening in the gospel. Otherwise, likely they're just going to fall back into that because they're abused and beaten. And so it's like all of this is just fruitless unless it's actually rooted in yeah, expanding it, the kingdom. It's symptom modification, yeah. right? Like behavior modification, however you want to say it. Like that's why when we counsel somebody, that's why Christian counseling is different, should be different than worldly counseling because we actually bring to, to bear God's word onto the situation, the sufficiency of scripture, the power of the spirit for you to overcome the thing you're struggling with. I don't expect to see an alcoholic stop being an alcoholic in our society based on the desire from themselves to stop being an alcoholic. Does it happen? I'm sure it could, but I don't expect that. to. See. But I do expect to see somebody who I genuinely believe as a Christian overcome that sin in their lives because they have access to the victories through the spirit. So likewise, I think if you're hearing anything that we're saying, we don't expect media to all of a sudden change to become like what we want without hearts being changed to it. But just because we like, well, we got to wait for that to happen. We can do steps in the interim to try to get them to modify their behavior. Does that make sense? We have to take the same approach that the enemy is taking, and that is the slow march through the institutions, right? So their strategy to normalize sodomy and homosexuality took a long time. So this isn't going to happen in one day. God could do a revival in Hollywood. He could do a massive revival in the West. He could, but at least historically, it's slow. It's the ordinary means of grace of... Dads loving their wives and their kids and people making disciples and sharing the gospel with your neighbors or your barista. And that's how all of this is ultimately going to happen. It's going to take a while. We might not have good Star Wars until our grandkids start redeeming that franchise. I mean, it's hard to think about because, I mean, I love Star Wars as well. But, I mean, it might be our grandkids who actually start producing Star Wars again to the glory of God and redeeming it. And Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That made me very sad when you said I'm so sorry. No, no Star Wars. <laughs> 
We should just do an episode sometime soon, just nerding out on all the things we love. And like, I feel like we could do that. Um, I feel like you, you and I specifically could do that. Nate's a huge nerd too, but I feel like he would just talk too much. No, it's fine. I'm just kidding. Just keep talking about GI Joes. That's what he would keep doing. <laughs> he's, he's, big <laughs> it. he's big into that. I lost my train of thought for what I was going to say. Why don't we wrap up there and come back another episode next week and nerd out? Does that sound like a fun time? Sounds good. Sounds great. All right. We are the Rebels. See you guys.